0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. I'm Hi, and welcome to How I Quit Alcohol. Today, in the Zoom room, I've got a great friend. Her name is Gabe Christmas. She's the sister of a very close friend of mine, and I've known Gabe for a long, long time. I think the last time I saw you, Gabe, you were pissed. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) It was a few few years ago. Actually, I was very drunk. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story tell us about so last time I saw you that was a few years ago you've been sober how long now uh two years and I think it's four months so wow yeah, congratulations that would never happen thank you <laughs> so tell us a bit about your history with alcohol your story
2: okay um I'll try not to go on for too long but mine started quite young I think as a lot of people um have had the same thing. Um, I grew up in a house of, um, you know, witnessing some pretty bad um, domestic violence. And um, that went on from when I was about two or three until for 10 years. And so I was scared of everything. I was anxious. I was depressed, um, you know, bad anxiety. And I just thought it was me. I didn't know that that was quite a normal response to the trauma that I'd had. Mm. And... The first time I think I had a drink, I was about 14 and all of the fear, all of the anxiety, all of the the self-doubt vanished within seconds. I thought it was a miracle. Mm. Um, I thought I love alcohol. This is, this is me. So every chance I could get, (laughs) I'd be drinking because I was literally back then um, scared of everything. I was scared of socializing. I was scared of somebody dying, I was scared to go to school, I was, everything scared the hell out of me. And so to have a couple of drinks and for that to vanish, I thought was amazing.
1: Wow. So was it a daily thing that you were, you were drinking daily or just binging or how? Um, it
2: started with binging. Um, and then as I got older, and then of course, I entered the, um, the hospitality industry. So say no more being uh, living mm. a chef's life. So mm. that was my real apprenticeship to, to some hard drinking there. And I think to begin with, I cared too much about my work. So I would binge heavily on the weekends. And I, you know, was fairly careful. But as the years went on, you know, it's a progressive thing, as people say, so it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, mm-hmm. And then it became a daily thing and I went from binge drinking to being um, an alcoholic.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
2: yeah, it was bad. Did
1: you did you realise that, that, that you were an
2: alcoholic? Um, not for a long time, I don't think. Um It's funny because I used to think with all the anxiety and and bouts of depression and and the fear of everything, I thought, well, there's nothing wrong with having some alcohol to to ease that. And I thought it was like, um, you know, cooling the heat down a bit. I didn't realize till a lot later I was throwing petrol on. You know, Mm -hmm. it it wasn't, um, it was doing quite the opposite. And even when I did realize, that it was actually a problem, I, you know, your mind plays tricks on you and it's, it's that old thing. No, it'll be okay. Um, you know, don't, don't worry. Uh, it's not that bad. There's people way worse. You know, you need it. And all this stuff that was going on in my head, I call it the wine witch. <laughs> and so the wine witch would talk to me every day. Every day I'd be like, I'm not going to drink today. And, you know, about lunchtime, the, the wine witch steps up and she starts at me. You can have one. Just start tomorrow. Oh, you'll be okay. You know, and all that mm. that mind stuff. Mm. And it drove me mad. So mm. in the end, I set out to to kill the wine witch.
1: So knowing you and every time I saw you, I've, I've, often we were partying, but you never came across as someone that was an alcoholic. I assumed you liked a couple of drinks. To be honest, I've never really, you, you hold it together. You've always held it together quite well every time I saw you drinking. You seemed okay to me. So was outwardly, were people recognising it at all? I think it
2: started to, yeah, people started to recognise it. And I think when I saw you, that would have been okay to a point. And then, you know, I might have gone home after being out all night and keep drinking and then drink the next day and the next day and the next day. So people used to see, you know, think that I was okay and I was just having a good time. Um, but it got way worse and it got to the point where I was just topping up every day. So I held it together to a certain point, but as I got older and as I drank more and as I was just topping up every day, I didn't hold it together very well at all. It was Mm. very messy and embarrassing and just the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment. I couldn't, I couldn't stand it anymore.
1: Is that why you decided to give it up?
2: I did, but I'd, I'd tried many times before that. So I'd, I'd tried moderation that wasn't an option for me I tried giving up oh dozens of times before Mm. this this time um but you know the longest I'd gone was six months so and then I then the wine witch came back and said oh you've done six months you'll be fine now you know you can go back to having a drink you've had a a really good break you can control this and no (laughs) not at all i you know after the six months have one drink and within two days it was every night to blackout point
1: wow so your wife leanne she doesn't drink is that right she's she's never drank since no yeah wow so how does she cope with that well
2: yeah now that i'm sober i wonder how she put up with me for so long i'm very lucky to have somebody so understanding Mm. um she's quite an outgoing person so i think you know, we used to go out and party and have a really good time together because she's just naturally like that anyway. And it was it was fun uh, until it wasn't. And mm. until there was countless times where she's half carrying me home or, you know, trying to drag me out of places or mm. I'm actually falling down drunk. And, She'd be annoying but she just accepted me for, for that's that, that's who I was um, and I'm very grateful for that because a lot of people wouldn't have stuck around.
1: Yes. So when you'd wake up the next morning after that, would she be pissed or would she or just...?
2: Sometimes she'd, she'd be really pissed off mm. and I'd feel shocking um, and apologise profusely. Um, mm. Other times she was she'd be just like, well, you know, It's just what she does. Just how gay rolls. Um, I don't think I could have been that tolerant if if the. she was on the other foot Mm. but you know we used to talk about it and I'd do the the promising that I'd keep it under control or I'd have a break and um but never did but fortunately she she stuck around yeah Uh, but it's interesting now because now that I've stopped because she's only ever known me as a big drinker we've had to really redefine our relationship and I think to begin with she she almost felt redundant because I wasn't so needy all the time and every day without drinking I'd be, be a little bit more independent and be able to do so much more for myself. But she almost got offended and, like, don't, don't I love me anymore mm. because I wasn't that needy, needy, needy person. Yeah, so it, it, it's interesting how that all changed and we yeah. had to really learn... Um, different roles in our relationship I guess and reassess everything because it changed all of our dynamics.
1: So what got you to where you decided enough was enough?
2: Oh I've been so sick of it for for a long time and I could not stand that constant battle of every day of what time will I start drinking today, what will I drink, how much will I buy, I won't go to that bottle shop because I went there yesterday and they'll see that I'm back and So I'd choose the bottle shops, you know. Um, I remember going to a few of them and and somebody would say, oh, oh, you're having a party tonight. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Got a few friends coming over and it was just alcohol for me. (laughs) And so if that was the closest bottle shop to my house or on the way home, I thought, oh, I can't go back there again today. And one day I had to because I think the other one, wasn't open or something happened, and he said, "Oh, you're back again. How was the party?" I said, "Oh, it was great. We're having a recovery party today." Again, <laughs> <laughs> but, oh. You know, it was it was embarrassing, and so I was sick of all that. I was th- sick of thinking about it. Mm. And the thing I think that really, really got to me was one day I got up. Um, this was the last day. I got up in the morning to get the kids ready for school, make their lunches, and. I just completely passed out and on the way down um, I whacked my head on the kitchen stall, the corner of the, the stall, and cracked my head open. And fortunately, Leanne was home. She hadn't gone to work yet and, um, you know, I had to go to the emergency, get someone to call another mum to take the kids to school. And the thing that really got to me was I w- was in emergency. The nurse came out to have a look uh, to see what needed to be done and she said "Have." you been drinking and I said oh not today this is about eight o'clock in the morning I said but I did have a very big weekend and I'd had a three-day binge like all day all night and she said yeah she said have you been in here for anything like this before and I said no um no I haven't and she said well it won't be the last time I've seen your type now that this sort of you've reached this level you'll be back again so horrified I was really angry and I thought, how dare that woman say something? That sense of being horrified turned into sheer determination. I thought, I'm not, I don't want to go down that track. I thought, this is the real crossroads. She's either right and I'll keep drinking and I'll be back in emergency from falling over or doing stupid things or I change. And it's, it's not like it was the first time I'd fallen over drunk, but it's the first time I'd, I'd actually you know, cut my head open or, or had to go to um,
1: you know, emergency for it. So I, that was terrible. Wow. Isn't it funny? The universe pops little angels in our paths. They're actually little messengers.
2: Little... Oh, she was a good messenger because I, I haven't had a drink since that day.
1: Wow, that's incredible. So what did you do? Did you go to AA? Did you just decide, that's it? No. I, I, I had a
2: good combination of, uh, if I'm really honest, it was a combination of counselling. I've got a really good doctor. And good antidepressants, which I realised that I actually need to function properly just through trauma and different things that have happened along the way. But as an extra security, I took Camprol. um, What's that? It's it's what they give alcoholics in rehab and you take it and it's one of those tablets that if you have a sip of a drink, you'll be really sick. Oh, I've heard of those. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I did that as an extra backup um, and I think I was on those for, I can't remember if it was three or six months, um, but by that time I, I was fine. So it was a combination of those things and in a way I thought, oh, taking the camp I was cheating a little bit. <laughs> but because I'd tried for so long on my own, I knew that I just needed, um, I needed extra help. Mm. um so i think for me i saw my doctor every two weeks to begin with um checked in with her i saw a counselor once a week um had the antidepressants and i also had the campbell i was not leaving anything to chance this time
1: yeah good on you so and did when you got to the point like you've got over that initial kind of few weeks that would have been pretty hard so what do you start doing what's your daily practices that get you through or got you through the difficult times
2: for me it's it's being outdoors definitely um yeah being in nature and I've even changed my job so that now you know garden gardening and landscaping I'm outdoors every day which I absolutely love and exercise was a big one for me I meditate I go paddleboarding. I do so many things because I can.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much more time. It's like there's more time in the day and it's incredible yeah. what you can fit in when you're not drinking. It's it's quite oh, remarkable.
2: Sorry, I was just gonna say I must admit that probably for the first two months I hibernated a little bit because I I my moods were up and down. Um, you know, I was still battling with with having to stick to this and, and I didn't want, I got invited to a few parties and I didn't go. Um, So I kind of hid away for a little bit. But it was also good just to have that time of self-reflection. And by the time I did that for a few months, then I was happy to go out. And, you know, after that I went to parties, I've been to clubs, I've been to pubs and it's it's fine.
1: Mm. Yeah. I think that it seems to a lot of people seem to do the same thing they just hibernate for a little bit just till they get their head around it and then slowly start you know going to social events yeah. sometimes just for an hour you know you just go with what you can kind of cope with and and then exit and it can slow Definitely. it's amazing the self-confidence each time you go to a social event sober it gets easier yeah. and easier until you're not really thinking about it
2: which absolutely is awesome.
1: it does
2: and and I love going to, to to something and knowing that I'll remember everything, that I won't make a fool of myself, that I'll get up the next day and, and have a full day.
1: It's just so good. I know you lost your, your beautiful dad. Um, yes. How far into your sobriety was that? Oh, um,
2: I think it was 18 months. Um, well, actually, no, when I think about it, even if it was earlier than that, I don't think I would have had a drink. But it did worry me because if there was ever a time to to give up and just say, you know, screw it, I need a drink, that would have been it. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I I think I heard you talking um, to Lyndall about it, that you just just go through it and you've just got Mm. to feel things. And I think I was okay. My sister Sarah called up and she told me that he'd passed and we knew it was coming. And as it was sort of looking like it was getting closer, I was getting very anxious. But the day Sarah told me, the day he died, I just went to work as normal because I was out in the garden and, um, you know, I had a few tears, but I was digging in the dirt and doing stuff that my dad would have loved and I just had the time to, fortunately, a job like that that I could ponder on it. Um, so I actually went through the first bit okay, but the the funeral and the wake was... The closest time I've ever come to having a drink, well, you know normally, <laughs> in these circumstances, and you know my family are a little bit the same um, the the order of the day would have been first thing in the morning to have a few shots of something just to take the edge off to get get the funeral started. i didn't do that um, and i was I was feeling very anxious going into it and Sitting there through the whole service, I was anxious. Once the service was over and we all sort of congregated, it was good to chat to people and, and that was sort of, it was good for a little while until they all said, oh, we're going over to the Red Hill, you know, where I've, I think I've had a drink with you before. Mm.
1: Um, Which so for, we people, there. for people that are, are listening, the Red Hill is the pub where your dad used to hang out a lot and and drink and it's a sort of local pub in this yep. small country town. Okay, go on. That's right.
2: So it was his pub and so we go over there and I'm looking at the, the chair my dad always sat in, the stool, you know, where I'd have beers with him. Above the, the bar is a, is a picture. Leanne actually took a really good photo of dad and so that's behind the bar up on the, the, the wall. So I'm looking at him and all my family come in and they're all big drinkers, you know, not just my siblings but cousins and uncles and they're all wild. So, um, and I didn't want to not go because I hadn't caught up with a few people yet and, you know, I hadn't, these are even people in the family that I haven't seen for years. So I wanted to go and, and talk to them. That was okay and I'm, just, I'm getting more worked up and more on edge as I'm standing there and I thought, I can't do this. So I think I lasted half an hour. Then I think Bo <laughs> ordered a round of shops for everyone in the bar and do you know how much I wanted one of those shots? <laughs> so yeah. I just instantly removed myself. I just I nearly ran out of the out of the pub.
1: Good on you. Got in the
2: first car. I took borrowed somebody's keys and just said, Can I have your car? And just left. And went went and found my kids. Yeah. So I'm half an hour that was it. That's all I could do.
1: Good on you for recognising that and getting the hell out of there because that, like you say, if ever there was a time that you were going to cave, that would be the time. Particularly family can be huge triggers as well. So like funerals, your dad's funeral, full of family. Yeah, that's that's so big and amazing that you got through it. That's just fantastic. Yeah,
2: thanks. I was pretty pleased with myself the next day, I must say, when everybody that was staying and that were around for the weekend were all feeling shocking and I was nearly doing a happy dance. I was so happy that I hadn't gone down that track.
1: Yeah. And like we're saying, like sitting in the grief and feeling all those emotions, I've just read this. Have you read Untamed, Glennon Doyle? Have you read that book? No. Oh, my God, read it. But she's... The main thing from that book is we can do hard things and you can do hard things And rather than running from them and numbing it with alcohol. I just think it's, it's a really beautiful way as well to honour that person that you love so much, to, to be there and be present in all those feelings.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Well, the, the funny thing is my mum died, oh, God, about 16 years ago now. Um, she had motor neurone disease and I drank all leading up to it while she was sick, drank all through her death and drank for 10 years after it. And I think um, I've only just got over her dying since I've sobered up because wow. I just kept masking it. And um, whereas with my dad, I feel like I've, I've grieved appropriately yeah. and I'm fine. Yes, whereas my mum I suffered for years like ten fifteen years mm. so that's a big difference. I know it was a it was a very different relationship and different circumstances and everything, but I still think the alcohol had a lot to do with me um
1: prolonging that sitting with. Mm, absolutely the grieving process so much more healthy to just feel all the feelings of not drinking really so yeah i think for people that have got big stuff coming up and you know dealing even with your dad his illness that went on for quite some time so Mm. being able to just process all that you know appropriately and just deal with it head on it's fantastic so good on you and just Hats off to you for getting out of there when you did. And how else has life changed for you?
2: Oh, so many ways. It really has. Oh, the things I think just enjoying every day instead of being so consumed with alcohol and drinking and everything that's involved with it. I was just going through the motions of every day. I wasn't in it, and I feel like I've I've lost so much time. So now every day I just wake up almost excited. Mm. Um, and I want to make up for everything and i 'm learning new things every day, you know things that I would normally plead with leanne to do for me i 'm doing myself and i 'm not scared to take on uh, new things um, and and try different things and i mean i 've learned to since i've i 've given up alcohol i 've learned to ride a motorbike i 've learned to lay floorboards, I can reverse a trailer um, I I can find my way around, you know, in the car. I used to be terrified of, of driving anywhere unfamiliar because I'd get lost and then I'd get anxious. And, and I can drive after 6pm. What a bonus. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's little yeah. things, you know.
2: Like yeah. I wouldn't be able to go out after about 5 or 6 because I'd already had too much to drink. It's almost like a kid when they first get their licence, like, you know, if we need something in the house. It's like, I'll go get it. I'll
1: run to the shops because I can. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And what about creatively? Because you're an amazing chef. Are you tapping back in with the love of cooking?
2: Yes, I am. I am. I'm really enjoying doing it at home, though, just for friends and family. With or without out alcohol, I'm still, I still don't want to take on too much stress or too much pressure because I'm scared that it might send me back down that track and it's not healthy anyway to, to live a life constantly stressed, which was how the restaurant um, became for me. So now I love that I I garden and I'm out in nature all day mm. and then I love to come home and on my days off just to cook amazing stuff at home. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm learning new things with that as well, um, trying mm. out different different things and mm. um, getting more creative with the, the food that I make. I'm not ruling out that I might do something down the track on a small scale, creatively, um, mentally, physically, huge differences. I heard you talking to somebody too that, and I agree completely that you're more you're more in the moment with with people. I con- I'm listening to what they're saying and really hearing what they're saying and not thinking about, you know, not being distracted by, oh, do they see how red my eyes are? Oh, I feel a bit sick. I think I need a drink of water, you know, or I think I need a drink or... You know, all of that's mm. taken away So, mm. and I'm calm because I don't have that, I'm not hung over, I'm not drunk, I'm not anxious. My depression is eased so much so that I can really have a proper conversation with somebody and I'm not scared of letting them find out who I am,
1: whereas I hid that for years and years. Mm. Exactly right you were saying it started because you had internal fears and you felt like the fears had disappeared, but really they just create so many fears as we get older. Oh, my blackouts were so bad. And I'd go to tell someone something the next day after seeing them the night before. And they'll be like, yeah, you told me that. And like, so (laughs) then I started to get nervous talking to people, telling them things. I would be like, fuck, you know, they might've told me about a new job or something, but I couldn't remember the details.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: And I would, be so self-conscious and trying to kind of fish for details with it because I'm like, did they tell me that? Did they not? Oh no, you know, and yeah, just the sheer and the constant, like, yeah, I know, Danny you've already told me that. Oh, I was no. so fucked.
2: I would do that all the time, and then you do become more socially um, uncomfortable because of those things.
1: Yes, yeah,
2: yeah. So it just adds layers and layers on top of the fears <laughs> that you that you already have
1: yes oh
2: my god i think i've this is the first time in my life and you know i'll be 50 next year in the last two years it's the first time i've ever lived without fear shame guilt remorse self-hatred all of those things wow so i actually feel like i wake up in the morning like a little kid ready to just run and jump and i have no fear It is the most amazing feeling. I feel so free. Wow,
1: that is so, so amazing and so inspiring. Like I think if anyone was toying with the idea, I'm not sure. I think that that what you just said would be enough for someone to go, oh, my God, yes, I want to feel that too because (laughs) just years and years of either binge drinking or everyday drinking, it just – it just like hammers away at you. It just gets at your it self-confidence. Goes. So to have that back, oh, God, it's just the most incredible feeling. So It is really incredible. What would you say to, I mean, I guess there's that, but any other advice you'd give to someone that was wanting to give it a rest? Right. Yeah, look,
2: I, I had the fear, like a lot of people I think, that I wouldn't have any fun or people wouldn't find me any fun. Yeah, just that I'd be boring and Mm. I had been a drinker for so long I thought, well, I don't actually know what to do with myself if I don't.
1: Mm. Um,
2: And I think if you feel like that, you do feel awkward in the very initial stages and, you know, I would stand there without a drink in my hand not knowing actually what to do. Mm. Um, But that, that goes very quickly and I think if you just stick with it, you'll be you'll feel so thankful and you'll appreciate and love yourself for doing it. Mm. Um, nothing bad has, can ever come out of giving it a break or stopping drinking.
1: Absolutely, nothing. yeah.
2: It's all positive. Yeah. Um, so what was it I saw the other day? I loved it. It said, um, I, I really wished I didn't give up drinking, said no one ever.
1: Yeah, that was one of my posts. Was it on yours? (laughs) I absolutely love that. I should have known it was yours. (laughs) That's the best. Yeah,
2: because that's it's so true. It was something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, along the lines of that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like that all the time. Like, I love spending Sundays with my arms wrapped around the toilet seat. You know, said nobody ever. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
2: You know, what it comes down to, doesn't it?
1: In those times where you were at a party and feeling a bit awkward and feeling self-conscious, how did you get through those times?
2: To be honest, I, I was a bit restless, you know, I'd have to pace. I found it very hard to just stand or sit in one spot and not be doing anything. So, yeah, look, I'd I'd have a coffee or I'd have something in my hand. Uh, it just, yeah, like you said, I think it just gets easier. You just get used to doing it more um, now I get quite comfortable and I can sit and relax and I can have really great conversations with people that I know I'm not going to forget. Um, oh, it's so good. And really tune in with somebody because there's nothing to stand in the way of that, you yeah. know, and I'm not, I'm not afraid to ask questions. I'm not afraid for what people might say to me or think of me. I am completely open. And so once you get comfortable with doing that, you feel less restless in, in those sort of social situations. So I think if you can have a little backup plan of just something, you know, like keep a mineral water in your hand the whole time or even if you do have to wander around a little bit, if you get a bit restless, then do that because it, it's not going to last long.
1: It really does pass. Even too, you can set a time limit and just say, okay, I'm going to go to this party for an hour and I'll get somewhere and say I've got to go in like an hour but, you know, I'll just have a, you know, stay for a quick high and whatever and pour yourself mineral yeah. water and then get out of there. And then perfect. You slowly get more and more, yeah, as you say, more and more comfortable with it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Times where you were triggered, like you said, like you just got out of the situation, just remove yourself from the situation. Mm. And yeah. it gets
2: to a point, I feel like now, because um, I, I got married as well in being sober, and that was something I never thought I would do because... I always imagined getting married in a winery, of course, and having champagne and beautiful wines and, and eating and drinking. And um, I got through that. And what, once you get through, it's almost like a first of everything. It's like grief. You know, you get through the first anniversary something of something, or the first birthday, you get through the first Christmas and New Year, you know, and all, all the triggers of things that come up. And once you've done, you know, I've got through births, deaths, marriages, boredom, stress. the I feel like, especially since my dad um, died, I think there's nothing that could just jump out and surprise me now that would make me have a dream. You feel it, you go through it, and I think it just, it just gets easier.
1: Absolutely. Even boredom, I kind of like boredom now because I'm so busy. To be bored is yeah. a bit of a gift. <laughs> it's like, but honestly, there's Absolutely. no time for boredom anymore, because, <laughs> you know. there's a always- yeah exactly so well that's awesome thank you so much for getting in and, and talking and just being so open and beautiful and um thank you so much for having me and i love that you're doing
2: this i think it's it's such a great thing and it's important you know like people need that encouragement they need that help i love that you and ash and everybody that you've spoken to is just laying it bare. i think that's fantastic and um, good on you for for making it all happen and, and i 'm proud of you guys too
1: thank you. going back in time, if you could just sit with fourteen year old you what would you say to her
2: i think oh look i think i'm just through stuff that had happened at such an early age for me i probably because nobody spoke about domestic violence, nobody spoke about the the reality of alcohol you were almost encouraged to drink um, I probably would tell myself to. You're not abnormal. This is a normal reaction to a, a problem, to a certain problem for some people. Go and talk to somebody. Like I wish I had have spoken to somebody and just opened up to somebody at at around that age um, just to realise it just wasn't a, a default in, in my personality really because I had the those sort of problems and also problems, you know, coming out with my sexuality and I felt like I was the only gay in the village. (laughs) No one else was gay, no one else had alcohol problems at that age like I did. Because honestly, I think even when I was 16, I knew that this was going to be a problem for me because I just liked it way too much. Wow. And when all my friends would want to stop, I was just getting started. So I probably would have told myself to talk to somebody, anyone. And just, and I would tell myself, "Look, you're going to be okay, but you need you need somebody to help you and I think that it just would have it wouldn't necessarily have changed a lot, but I probably would have liked help sooner yeah. um, it would have saved me a lot of grief, a lot of um, uh, heartache, a lot of loneliness, you know with thinking that I was the only one that felt like this or thinking that it was a fault in me that I just, um, there, there was something wrong with me for most of my life. Mm. So other than that, I think it was good to, you know, on a lot of occasions I think it was good to live and learn. And I've heard other people say, look, I have no regrets. that Otherwise, you know, it would have been a different path. I unfortunately still do have regrets and I do sometimes, oh, the guilt's gone, but um, I do have regrets and I do have things that I wished hadn't have happened due to alcohol. But I don't dwell on them anymore.
1: Mm.
2: Um, but I probably would have liked some help at an earlier age. Mm. So that's all I would say is, is yeah, find somebody that, that can give you a bit of a hand.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. and well, Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to um, touching base with you again soon. And just thanks for your honesty and for sharing your story.
2: You're very welcome. Thanks, Danny.